WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Home Goods of Margaretville, corner of Main and Bridge Streets in Margaretville, New York. Now carrying spices, flour, jams, mustards, coffee and tea, organic vegetables and fruits, and local eggs, milk, cheese, and baked goods. And of course, cooking basics and tools of the trade for everyone at home. Home Goods of Margaretville. Open every day. 845-586-4177 or hgom.net. The Delaware County Chamber of Commerce, a catalyst for sustainable economic prosperity in the Catskills, fostering cooperation, forging partnerships, promoting tourism, providing legislative advocacy, and building strong community ties throughout the region. More information at 607-746-2281 or DelawareCounty.org. Peekamoose Restaurant on State Route 28 in Big Indian. For farm-to-table cuisine, seasonal specialty cocktails, and local craft beers, Peekamoose, dining room, tap room, lounge, and outdoor deck. Open Thursday through Monday at 5 p.m. Dinner reservations recommended 845-254-6500. 845-254-6500. Peekamoose.com. Hi, I'm Mark Beerman, host of Mark Beerman Sports here on WIOX Roxbury. I'm also a former nationally ranked tennis player and the current women and men's head tennis coach at SUNY Delhi. As director of tennis at Tennis Everyone for 15 years, I have been teaching kids, adults, and seniors from beginners to tournament-level players. Tennis Everyone, a supporter of WIOX, offers individual and group programs to players of all skill levels, as well as weekly women's, men's, and doubles clinics, and also partners players for off-site play. Information about lessons with Tennis Everyone at 845-254-4400 or mark at tenniseveryone.com. Okay, you're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable TV Channel 20 on the campus of SUNY Delhi 
at 107.5 FM worldwide at WIOXradio.org and on any mobile device radio FM app. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan, Zane, and John. This is a rarity. We have all three. How's it going? Good. How are you, Ryan? I'm okay. Um, We're supposed to have Charlie on tonight, talk about arboriculture, but uh, he had an emergency he had to attend to. But um, we'll get him. We'll get him on again. But how you guys doing? Good, good. I'm doing great. Yeah. 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 What have you been up to? Zane. What have I been up to? Nothing. No. Nothing. Uh, I've been working. Jeez. I've been uh, finishing up some forest savers for knotweed and getting ready for tree planting season. So I'm pretty excited. So forest savers, what herbicides of? Uh, Killing invasive plants and stuff? Correct. Interfering plants in the landscape. There we go. I noticed you said the word interfering. How come you said that? I like that word now. Yeah. Think, uh, yeah. I think it's... Grown uh, on you, right? Grown on? Oh, yeah. I think it's... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It uh, fits better. As opposed to what word? Invasive. Invasive. I yeah. Think people, uh, that's thrown around a lot and, I don't know, interfering with what is kind of the next question. Mm. Yeah, I haven't spoke to Zara since she's returned. Zara also works at the Catskill Forest Association, as all all of us do when we're not here on WIOX. But um, she was at the Silva training, Silva culture training. And I went to that training by the Forest Service, I don't know, maybe 14 years ago or so. And Susan Stout was there, and that's where I first heard that term, interfering species. Mm. She said interfering because it's interfering with your goals, therefore stripping the native versus non-native thing out of the mix or the definition or the term yeah it's a relative term so it's always in reference to yeah your goals as a landowner yeah so i don't know what have you been up to john um well portable sawmill program for casco forest association has been a major part of my uh my time lately but um more so on my own i've been Doing a lot of walks, a lot of hikes. It's it's becoming the season where it's pleasant to do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The other day I I uh, stumbled upon some ginseng. wasn't looking for it and found I don't know. There was like fourteen plants. It was a nice little spot. Cool. Marked that one on the GPS and then uh, I found uh, deer antler, which I don't know about you, but I've never find them in the fall and this this time of year. It's always like a springtime or wintertime thing so thought that was neat yeah it's pretty chewed up from rodents but we found one uh when we're looking for ginseng <clears throat> yeah i guess you're right that was the only other one i've seen yeah it was close enough to the august september time mm-hmm. but yeah it was a little chewed up but fairly big mm. yeah you think it was from uh this year well it was from the winter of this past winter oh, okay yeah, no, the bucks they're uh, they're still growing. They they actually should be shedding velvet right about now. It's about when you start seeing seeing that happen the first week of September. Yeah. Starting to see their uh red summer coat starting to get patchy with the uh darker brown winter coat coming in yeah. on some of the deer. I've been asked a couple times now what what's wrong with the deer? I've seen some uh, mangy looking deer. <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. They're just switching coats. Yeah. Fawns are going to lose their spots this week and they're going to start looking brown instead of red. Those strawberry coats are leaving. It's, it was pretty droughty out there. There's not much food out there for uh, some of the larger mammals. And uh, my friend, who is in the woods quite often, uh, had his first bear encounter. 
Oh, first bear encounter. Well, I mean, he sees bears all the time. He's he's over in Woodland Valley quite often and uh, oh, first, seen first negative hundreds encounter? of bears. Yeah, negative encounter okay. where the bear uh, had a little stare down. Uh-oh. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think it's a coincidence that when my negative bear encounter occurred 2016, wasn't as dry as right now, but it was dry. And there wasn't much mast or fruit or nuts and berries. Uh, the blueberries were terrible that year. The apples were non-existent. And I don't think that the acorn crop was very good. And that's when I had my, my bear encounter where we stared at each other like an old western across the stream for about seven long minutes. Just sizing you where up. I was freaking out. In my, in my body, I was freaking out. I was trying not to display it to the bear. But uh, I had enough time. Let's just say I had enough time to get an emergency whistle out and my flat my headlamp to flash at him after the whistle didn't work hmm. and to get my silky saw hand saw out in case he crossed the damn stream <laughs> but the the flashing um headlamp did mess him up a little he he stood back it was getting dark so it was getting bright but jesus so how could you tell that it was more than a curious look was it well, seen, menacing yeah I've seen bears a lot, and they run away. I've been false charged twice by mother bears, but um, then they run away. But you don't know it at the time, but but usually you see cubs, so you know they just want to isolate you between you and the cubs, and then they get out of there. But this is a young male, and uh, I saw him. I was just laying by the stream, and on the other side of the bank was a black bear digging under rocks and stuff, and I just stood up and said, hey, bear, go away. He didn't even look up. He acted like he didn't hear me. Maybe he didn't hear me. But then he finally saw me, and he didn't want to move. He went up the hill a little bit. Well, I was like, well, this is my campsite. I better make sure he left, mm. you know? So I, when I crossed the stream, I'm throwing rocks, being loud, and his head comes from the other side of a hemlock tree. And he's um, making a noise, putting his he's clenching his teeth, mm. like big, loud, popping noise. And saliva's coming out. He's like, something I have not seen. And I'm really close. I've not seen a bear do that. But I'm still not convinced. That'd be pretty scary. <laughs> that he wants to kick some <laughs> some ass shit, you know? So I, I go down. Now I go down the bank facing him, walking down, retreating back to my stream. And I see he's coming back towards me. So I'm like, that's totally different. That's bad. Right? So now I cross the stream fast. And for some reason, I thought getting on the other side of the stream would be good. And it was. It, you know, it is a border in, in some ways. They don't like to get wet if they don't have to, I guess. I mean, it was a cool night. Whatever. It was just one more obstacle that he had to cross to get to me. And then he stood on the other side. The stream's only as wide as this room. And uh, that's where we commenced to uh, have a little shindig. But, but it was a droughty year. And so anyway... I've told the story before, but like 99% of bear, black bears are, you know, they just run away. But as I've told on the show before, there's a book by Steve Herrero, who I tried to get on, on the show, but um, he's unable to, uh, unfortunately. But um, I actually talked to him over the phone. But he wrote a book in 1986 called uh, Bear Attacks, and there is one, one chapter on the tolerant black bear, and you can basically throw stuff at them. They won't do anything. And... The next, there is one chapter on the predaceous black bear, 
hmm. and in rare instances, because whenever there's a um, an accident, like a National Park Service lands, there's always an investigative report that has to be done. So they actually have the details of these things. And um, almost all the time that a black bear attacked, it's a young male black bear in a wild area, not necessarily like an area where it's a garbage bear per se. Um, it's just a bear that hovers in the distance for an hour or so and just won't leave. And what he thinks it's doing is it's sizing you up, trying to like weigh the cost benefits. Mm. Doesn't really unsure. Maybe it's hungry. Maybe it's been kicked out of the better habitat by the bigger bears, male bears. You know, and I think that's what this bear was doing. He was like kind of like hungry. You could tell, not really sure what to do with me. You know, not sure if he should be scared or not or whatever. And like that New Jersey case where that young college kid was killed, um, and the kid at Tinney Ridge, which is the Schwanuk Ridge, extended into New Jersey, was killed. Um, that's what the male black bear did to him. He, he uh, was with a group of five other or so college kids, and he got isolated. He was taking pictures of this bear. Mm. It wouldn't go away. Finally, the bear made contact and, and killed him. So it's extremely rare. But it's the young male black bears that are more wild, actually, in remote areas that you have to be more uh, cognizant about. So, and, uh, yeah. So that, it's kind of, that's, I mean, these droughty times, I think, are kind of bad times. How's your, the situation resolved with your friend in Woodland Valley? Well, he, uh, he he kind of had a stare down with the bear as well until the bear finally after a, a minute or two or three which is our long minutes yeah went away but that's you know to have that happen mm-hmm. a mile from you know the road and uh you know he he i think he had a way of defending himself but um which makes it better i did not besides my silky handsaw which is you know silky's a great handsaw but Jesus Christ. It's not designed for that. No. So, you know, he didn't have any bear pepper spray or, um, you know, I didn't have a rifle or anything on me. So, but in any case, uh, there's grizzly bears and that's like, that's like all the bear attacks that usually are polar bears are even worse probably. But, uh, black bears are usually, you know, they run away. So. Most people have never experienced that. But the thing is, you start narrowing the odds the more you're in the woods. That's one. Two, if you hike alone. Um, and if you hike in remote areas. you know How many people actually do all those things? Not many people, right? If you if they did, you'd see them out there. You don't because they're not there. Right. They don't exist. And this is off the trail. We're talking. Yeah, this is off the trail. It's completely off the trail. That's what I mean. And it's not – you know, remote areas meaning you're not you're not hiking a trail to a remote peak. You're you're up in a valley somewhere that's got no one else around. Right. Yeah, hiking trails and stuff. Bears kind of know humans are there. You know what I mean? But uh, it was funny when I was near that stream. I was like, you know, I've never seen a barrier of all the years. Every time I do something like that, I always see crap. And I'm like, I've never seen a bear. You think one would just pop up in front of me? I went went back to reading my book and watching the stream. I'm like freaking black bear right there <laughs> jesus christ you know but i don't know so that's my bear story i just hit a bear um my yeah. family that's my only a bear story up in the adirondacks we hit it with our vehicle and got up and growled and ran into the woods oh yeah people were chasing it from a big uh dump uh in the evening they were watching it and it got too close so they 
chase it away across the road. But hmm. beyond yeah. that, have not encountered the bear in the flesh. I, I mean, I've done some stupid things. Like I'll admit them. Uh, I chased a, a mother bear into the woods because she kept eating my chickens and showing the cubs how to get into the coop, and they would raid the feeder. And when you lose, you know, when you raise chickens and all that work, and then they, and then they, especially if they're spring chickens, and they, they're like, you know, John, they're laying like crazy amount of eggs. It's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And then a bear just kills seven of them. It took 16 <laughs> weeks to get there. Hard work. <laughs> so I come home, and, and they know they're smart, man. They do it during the day, like from 1030 to 2 is when they strike. The reason why I know is because my neighbor would hear them. He looked outside his window and see the mother doing this. By the time he got outside, it was too late. But one day I get home and it's like four. I got home a little earlier than usual, and I'm getting my mail. Open the mailbox and a freaking black bear is walking across my lawn to the coop. I'm like, son of a gun! I get out, leave my door wide open still. Hopefully, thank God I put my truck in park because I was I was, I was living. And just chased her into the woods, chased the you know the the uh, cub up a white oak tree. I was trying to instill some fear into them, not to come back, you know, because if they do it to someone else, that person hmm. may do something else to them. <laughs> they may they disappear. <laughs> they may put a hit on them or something. Right. But you know, it's like, you know, so I, I chased her into the swamp, about a quarter of a mile back to where it meets. And um, obviously her cubs are all spread apart. But they find each other through their nose, you know, through scent. And um, that was that. But I just wanted to really get the fear into those cubs not to not to come around here, you know. Was it a grisly scene when you got home the first time when they got all, the, all your Well, that chickens? was just that time they didn't get to the chickens yet. But there's been times where I come home and there's just chickens strewn about dead. Oh, you know, because they don't just take them with them. They can only carry one chicken off. Hmm. You know, so it used to be like rat, um, fox or bad fisher, um, bird of prey, right? Cooper's hawk, sharpshin, whatever the hell they are. But the bears are the difficult because, like my neighbor, he has his penned in, and the bear just ripped off the roof. So like, what do you do then? You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty strong, you know. But yeah, if you've had penned in, that's probably better. But I just don't like pendant chickens. So, so the name of the game is deterrence. Just trying to, yeah, them. yeah. It's good to have close neighbors. You know, everyone complains about their neighbors, but there's, a, there's disadvantages and there's advantages. And and when you have active neighbors, it's it's even better. If they're outside, you know, that keeps stuff away. So I have close neighbors within you know a hundred yards of my house. So that usually is good, but. As the, you know, wildlife gets more desperate because the forest matures, there's less food in the big woods, they just come by the houses more, but I don't know. What are you say, John? Oh, I had a negative bear encounter once. It was, I don't know, it was marshmallow related, but it was still pretty scary at the time. <laughs> we were sitting around a campfire with a couple close cousins of mine, little kids, and I could hear something walking, and it's all furring around us. It's nothing like, I just hear something... Like that's big. That's that's nothing small. It's not like a a small mammal or a rodent or something. And there's no lights on. Um, so, I mean, how far is a campfire glow? Like twenty feet, maybe. Not that far. Not yeah. that far. It's not a roaring fire with roasting marshmallows, right? And uh, all of a sudden, the 
this bear steps into the glow of the campfire. What? Yeah. So it's close. That's crazy. All you can see is the head just step into the glow of the campfire and just lets out this deep growl. Just of course, the kids they were at the time were, I don't know. It's in the maybe. Catskills camp? This is it. Yeah. You know where I'm at. Yeah. So, um, wow. They were probably, I don't know, six and nine, these two little kids, and they just dropped their marshmallows and ran and we were not far from a structure, ran into the, ran inside and I followed them in. But I mean, obviously I wanted that marshmallow they were roasting, but <laughs> holy cow, you'd think that yeah, it's just an odd situation for it to step into the glow and growl like that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's extremely rare. Yeah. You think it was the fire obscured? I mean, could it like not see the other people around? Did they just fade into the background? And... I mean... I don't know. I've never roast marshmallow with little kids, but it's not like it's a stealthy scene. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, kids are loud, and, and the yeah. scent of smoke is like right. So this yeah. bear knew people were here. You know, yeah. it wasn't just this food isolated food situation. Mm. So that was weird. Yeah. And then the, I assume it was the same bear. The next night, there's cell service. I don't know, quarter mile walk, eighth mile walk. It's not that far. And uh, I wanted to check a message, so I walked, was walking, no headlamp or anything, I just know the way, and walking my way over there to check my cell phone, and I heard, again, heard something in the, in the ferns, so I flip on the light of my cell phone, which only shines about 10, 12, 12 feet tops, <laughs> yeah. and uh, there's a bear standing there again, and now I'm alone, you know, now I'm... I assume it's the same bear. So I turned around and didn't run, didn't do anything. Just walked back and kept shining on it. It never moved, but that was that was a weird bear. Yeah. Really weird bear. And no uh, we was there that whole weekend. We were around. and So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that some, some bears are just, it's got to be singular individuals, that rare situations. Again, it was a smaller bear. It wasn't very big. I don't know, 100 pounds. Right. Uh, probably a male probably this is not good bear habitat for food for mass foods yeah so um yeah it's probably the same same, same deal same deal you know getting pushed out of better habitat yeah the bear i saw was less than 200 pounds yeah 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 big enough but i mean there is some acorns dropping i don't know if they're just isolated to the couple spots i've seen them hiking but yeah in the last week or so i've noticed notice acorns dropping so maybe that'll Get them feeding up in the woods. There's a few. Yeah, it could be good for the hunting. Yeah. Early bear season is the 10th, right? Uh, yeah, Saturday, right? Yeah, yeah Saturday. so there's early rifle season. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Tonight's show is going to be with uh, Charlie Bloom, but uh, he couldn't make it. And uh, we're just we're just, uh, we're just just talking, basically. Chit chat. So that's about it. But uh, we'll talk some more when uh, we return. Touchdown 
little man of selling New Orleans it was down and out it looked to me to be the eyes of age as he spoke right out he talked of life talked of life he laughed slap his leg a step Mr. Bojangle Mr. Bojangle Mr. Bojangle Dance Said his name Bojangles and he danced the lick Across the cell Grab his pants, a bed, a stance, and jump so high. Clicked his heels. He let go her laugh. Let go her laugh. Shook back his clothes all around. For those at minstrel shows and county fairs Throughout the South Spoke with tears of 15 years How was dog in here And traveled about His dog up and died He up and died After 20 years, he still grieves. Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles. Sit or dance now at every chance in honky tonks For drinks and tips For most of the time I spend behind these county bars Cause I drink so bit He shook his head and as he shook his head Could someone ask, please? Mr. Bojangles Mr. Bojangles Mr. Bojangles Go on and dance Right. 
it's Mr. Bojangles, and uh, this time it's Neil Diamond doing it. How about that? Mm-hmm. You got to look up the song. I think everyone and their brother has sang that song. Yeah. Yeah, just pick your favorite artist and. Uh, Who you know. is Mr. Bojangles? I don't know. Well, when I was growing up in New Paltz, there was a guy we used to call Mr. Bojangles. He used to ride a trike down the road picking up odds and ends like, you know, metal stuff, and they'd be hanging off of his trike bicycle. Huh. And he'd drive across the flats up into the mountain right below the ridge, which is like six miles, by the way. And he had silver gray hair and a cowboy hat. And we call him Mr. Bojangles. I don't even know his name. I used to know his name. I forgot it. But um, he since passed away. But n- nice guy. Never bothered anyone. Yeah. Picking up stuff. Looking for trees. He did. <laughs> but I thought that song was about him growing yeah. up. I was like, that's that's the, that's what it's about. I can't believe this. <laughs> there he is, the guy. Yeah. But no, it wasn't about him. Who knows? Maybe it was. But anyway, um, before we move on, uh, well, actually, this is from the forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to talk about arboriculture with Charlie Bloom, but uh, Charlie couldn't make it, so we're just we're just talking about this and that, you know, what's going on. I wanted to mention apples really quick because I've been talking to a lot of members about the lack of apples, and um, so here's the big secret about apples. If they produced last year really well they probably won't produce this year very well regardless of pruning and the reason why the orchards get apples every year for the most part is because they thin the fruit in the spring when the apples are about a half inch in diameter they um they thin them chemically some of those are hormone based some are not but uh that's the secret and no one does that. Homeowners don't do that. So you're not gonna you're not gonna get fruit every year usually. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, you can do it by hand uh, if you have a small tree. Mm-hmm. It will increase the size of your apples and the uh, frequency. But there's the secret, man. So it's not always the frost every year. <laughs> I mean. I get I get mad now when I hear frost. <laughs> you sound mad. Huh? <laughs> you sound a little frustrated. Well, I, it's just everyone blames the frost and everything, especially in the mountains, you know. It's like for some reason people in the mountains think that every every time they don't have fruit it's because of the frost, which is, you know, it makes sense because it is colder up here than, say, Kingston. But that doesn't mean they had frost when the flowers were out. Mm. Um, and this year... You know, I travel from 900 feet in the town of Olive to 1,400 feet at our office in Arkville, and we go all around up to 2,200, and I think some of the members we serve, the highest ones, around 25, 2,600 feet. And I'm often in Kingston, which is about 200 feet. Mm-hmm. There was not frost from what I could see and remember when the flowers were out this year. I think that's where some people get it wrong, too, is, is it doesn't matter after, after they're pollinated. It doesn't matter. It could freeze again. Yeah, you know, I mean, they can only take so much, but a thirty thirty degree night isn't going to affect the the fruit after they're pollinated. Right. Yeah, so I think some people just see the weather, and it's so isolated. You know, like they see the weather report saying it got down to thirty two, and it might might not have. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to walk out of your house right before sunrise and measure it at the tree at your location at right. the tree. Yeah, exactly. Good point. So. 
Now, it wasn't the frost. It was such a good year. How soon we forget how awesome of a year it was last year for fruit. Everything was fruiting. It was unbelievable. You know? Remember? Everything. Yeah, I do. I Remember do. the birds weren't even going to people's feeders? I know. That was a phone call. That's a rare phone call. but That was the phone call we're getting. Yeah. Your feeder you put up, it doesn't work because no birds are coming. It's like, it's abnormal. There's so much mast out there that they don't need your feeder, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. You know? Apples were incredible. Black cherries were so good. Beach, yeah. beach were even fruiting. Yeah. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I did have some beech nuts last year. First time I've had them, actually. They're pretty good. There's some hickory nuts this year, but they were last year. There was a lot of hickory nuts. You know, there was it's just everything was going last year. Don't know why. So this year's an off year then. Absolutely. Yeah, some things wanted the fruit, and then it just got so dry, and they just withered and died. Yeah. Except for my grapes. Yeah. They like the California weather, man. Mm. They don't care. Nope. I don't have grapes. So. They're the best I've ever had. My grapes. What clumps, you clumps of. I eat them up. I, I mean, them. I can eat a lot of fruit, Zane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like one of these people that's like, oh, I ate a pint, I'm full. I eat like a couple quarts of fruit at a time, right? Well, I hope you share some with your family. No. The kids do. I give them a couple of heads <laughs> of grapes and they, they go underneath the. Uh, the, uh, the Where there's the only shade in the orchard, they sit there and they just go to town on them. <laughs> Yeah, we, we eat them, you know. Yeah, they're, they're the they're the white grapes. I didn't label those back in the day, so I don't know what they are. But um, now I do, and there's there's some grapes that seem to do well. They don't get um, eaten by Japanese beetles as much. Mm. And now I know what they are. If you ask ask me right now, I forget. I think they're like Swenson or something. But um, but I haven't written down and they're tagged because I got tired of some grapes. They just they just fungi and japanese beetles and they're not worth planting you know so but, you trail some on a wire then i took extra um what seems like the best is the first ones were on a wire right just because that's what people do but i had extra high tensile woven wire fence oh. now i took that put it on a stake that works the best that is really awesome between two stakes or just on one that it climbs up no, between it, like the fence, extra right. fencing material. So I added a section or two uh, earlier this summer. They they they've significantly grew, you cool. know, throughout the uh, drought. I mean, I watered them, but grapes are pretty hardy, you know, as long as you get the right variety. How do you maintain them? Do you prune them? Do yeah. you regenerate parts of them? Yeah, I think they they uh, they grow on. I think they fruit on second year old wood. But I don't know. They're hard to mess up, you know. I really – you got to get them back to a single cane, and I think if you get them elevated, I used to, like, want fruit on the bottom rung. No, get them up more, mm. more air circulation. The other mistake I used to make is over mulching. You really don't want to mulch with grapes, I read later on, because they want the heat, you know. So now I don't mulch. I actually take the mulch away a little bit. Mm. But – you can't stop them. If you give them enough sunlight, they do pretty well. Apples are a mixed bag. You know, some do good, some do terribly. <clears throat> right, off, right from the start, you know. But, um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that with thinning the fruit, for sure. The, um, however, I was in Rockport, Massachusetts, and like I was saying, 
it's droughty. There's not much fruit out there. Everything looks withered and dead. Well, out there in Rockport, it's like the bedrock is right at the surface. The trees are really short in stature because there's no soil, you know? Like a 50-foot-tall tree is, a, is about as tall as they get. So if you were like an arborist who did tree work and was scared of heights, this would be the place to work <laughs> because yeah. you're never going to climb really more than 50 feet, you know? I don't think there's a tree there that I'd be, like, concerned about the height on. Hmm. But in any case, uh, their lawns are really terrible looking. Like, everything's brown, dead. Crispy. And I'm walking through this park. Well, I'm crutching through this park, and uh, I see this tree that looks great and full of fruit. I'm like, what the hell is that? Hmm. And I walk up to it, and it's dogwood. It's cornus moss, which is a cornelian cherry. Really cool tree. Besides Kusa dogwood, which has edible fruit, this one uh, tastes like, um, well, Kusa dogwood tastes like a raspberry kind of, mm. Korean dogwood. But this um, Cornelian cherry tastes like a mix between a uh, cranberry and a cherry and a sour cherry. It's pretty good. Not bad. It's not a. It's not in the Prunus? Genus? No, it's a dogwood. Huh. It's Cornus. It's completely a dogwood. It's got opposite twig pattern, arcuate venation. It's from uh, Siberia to southern Europe, and um, it's slow-growing, but, man, it, it's drought-tolerant as hell. It looked great, so I would recommend that, maybe, if you got a dry spot. Cornelian cherry. Cornelian cherry. <laughs> yeah, and unlike other dogwoods, I guess it doesn't get the anthracnose as much, because the American dogwood does. Mm. And uh, it does need a little more light. So it might be something to plant, but it is slow growing. So slow growing, drought tolerant. Yeah, a little more sun. A little more sun. I wouldn't say full sun. I feel like no do dogwoods don't like complete full sunlight. Where this was growing was like an edge of a forest road side. Yeah, that's always where I've seen the best ones growing. Yeah, you can really pick them out of the wood line as you're driving when they flower. Yeah, they're they're unusual. They're not like apple trees where, you know, full sunlight you think the better. That's like true of many trees. But some trees they like a little reprieve from that blaring sunlight. You know, mm -hmm. you know some shrubs are like that. Like uh, black caps can't grow them in full sunlight. They always get withered and die. Grow them on your edge of a forest, then they do really well. Mm. You know, don't even don't even think of it. But um, let's see here. What else did I want to talk about? Oh, yeah, mulberries. So we'll see if I can experimenting with mulberries right now, trying to propagate these suckers from cuttings. So what's the method? Well, I don't know. I, I've, been, I've been online looking at this guy's training, and he claims that you can take willow water. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. <laughs> You heard of this? It's uh, not for mulberry, but someone else told me that you take willow water yeah. and it's got the root growth hormone in it. Yeah, sal salicylic acid yeah. is the rooting hormone. So you got to macerate the twigs, the young growth. You could probably do it with any branch, I would imagine. If this works, I'm just going to get a bunch of them and put them through a chipper. This time I didn't do that. I picked a, a, a couple, put it in my um, Vitamix blender, and then put them in, in covered with water. Right, and let that soak for a week. Then you take your old, uh, this year's cuttings from a mulberry and stick them in the willow water. Okay. I, I just put them in today. I went to Kingston, got my favorite mulberry that I know where it is, 
And then I stuck that in there. I'm going to leave it overnight, and then tomorrow, you, they've been in the willow water. Hopefully, they've sucked up some juice, right? And then you, I'm also going to dip them in rooting hormone and then put them in, um, what's that called, uh, seed soil, you know, to propagate cuttings and... Right, uh, just... Some sort of growth. I got medium. it at Lowe's. Yeah, it has some growth medium in there. Not potting soil. So not potting soil. Seed starter. Seed starting soil. Yeah, right. And uh, put them in, you know, planting pots or whatever. You know, small ones. And we'll see, man. I'm gonna put a plastic bag over it. Maybe keep some humidity in there. Yeah. You keep like, you you take off all of the. Uh, they say take off all the branches, small little branches and leaves, except for like one or two, on like a five inch cutting. Nip off all the buds, maybe even cut the leaves at the top in half. Otherwise, they might dry out, right? Because mm-hmm. if you leave all the leaves on, basically they're just going to breathe, breathe out everything, right. all the moisture. We'll see. I've been trying to propagate mulberries for a long time. Hopefully, the white mulberries will be easier. I hear they are. So is this the time of year to do it when uh, just putting on – because you want them to put on roots, right? You want them to put on uh, feeding roots – yeah, Into I want growth medium. I want to put on some roots before November. Mm. In which case, you know, that's kind of like the end, right? They got to go in the ground or something. Or you could keep them over in a greenhouse or inside. Is that what you might try to do? I don't know. Big over winter, so you can no. Just keep them in your basement with them. Probably not even put a light on them. No, just keep them for freezing. I don't know. I'm don't trying know. to think this. Or through. you just heal them into the ground. Yeah. Well, you know. So are you growing these roots from like the twig, the most recent year's growth? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Huh. So just like with uh, grafting, how yeah. you get the most recent year's growth, and uh, you want that other end to produce these like adventitious roots. I've seen it done in like like just the growth uh, water mixed with the growth hormone. Usually they'll produce roots that way, and then you can put them in a pot. But Oh, yeah, yeah. From what you're saying, you have like a growth medium, and you just dip it in there, and it's all ready to go. And you... He does both. I mean, he's getting 80% on these shrubs. Like, he'll do it with um, this guy. I was looking at his training. He does it with um, gooseberries, all those, you know, uh, fruiting shrubs. He gets 80%. He had a less percentage with using just hormone and a less percentage with just using the willow water. When he did both... He was getting 80 to 90 percent. Huh. So I said, I figured, what the hell, I'll try it with mulberry. How many did you try? I haven't, I haven't done them yet because I, I, how many cuttings? I don't know. I probably did like 40 cuttings and they're, they're sitting in the willow water. Right. So I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, well, I don't know. If you have excess, I'll be your first customer. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's white mulberries. And when I say white, um, the, the fruit is actually white. There are some white mulberries that have red fruit because they hybridize with each other, the red and white mulberries. But there's some white mulberries out there, man, that they taste like honey. They are amazing. They really are. And reading, uh, I forget his book. It might be Durr, D-I-R-R. I forget the guy who talks about propagation. Hmm. But he claimed that white mulberry, I thought, was easier than red. So hopefully. I, I believe that because white mulberry seems to want to grow everywhere. You know, if you're a Long Islander, you hate, you, you know, the stuff grows in parking lots. So, And you just want that fruit. That's the final product, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Why the hell else? Why else would you grow yeah. a tree, man? I'm just uh, the heck's going on? Just and, the, <laughs> and uh, you don't want to go to Kingston to get it. You want to just walk outside and get that mulberry. Yeah, mulberry. Oh yeah, Kingston's like the capital of mulberry around here. It's freaking awesome down there for that. So why would somebody want to use cuttings? Because they find a particular plant or specimen that yeah, it's they, be a clone they like of, and of yeah, fruit you like. Yeah, because it's, if it's a seedling, uh, it, it could it's, it could be random. I did I did take a seedling from that area, and it is growing. It's 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 establishing. So, I ripped it out. It's poor roots, you know, but it's surviving and thriving. But um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, six to seven p.m. When we come back, we'll uh, uh we'll, we'll talk more forest stuff. Who knows?
it's uh, Graham Parker. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talking about a different forest-related topic with Ryan, Zane, and John. And we're just we're just chit-chatting about forest-related things. Um, so what do you guys want to talk about next? Well, I found a white oak seedling on my property in Delhi. Is that surprising? <laughs> Surprised the heck out of me. It's like, where, the, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. I mean... I don't know. You're getting towards, you know, the uh, West Branch there. I only know one other. I know one mature tree next ridge over. I was on a hike and I stumbled across one good yeah. size tree. Could have come from there, I guess, within uh, within reach of a of a blue jay. And yeah. I'm along a power line corridor, so that not out of the realm. Or it could have come from my pockets. You know, I come home with nuts sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could have been a chipmunk, but it's in a bad spot, sprouting at the edge of the ditch. The town's gonna. Yeah. They're going to whack it one day with a mower, but... It's kind of odd, though. Yeah, I thought Especially so. Especially white oak. Yeah. I know. When I lived up in uh, Margerville for a number of years, my tree ID skills for white oak went way down. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be staring at it forever sometimes. You see a white oak, think it's a sugar maple, you know, with the bark, you know? Yeah. But hmm. they, are, they are getting shaded out. What about you, Zane? I don't know if this is a... Uh... Not unique, but I kind of noticed with that drought, I just didn't see a lot of insects out, didn't see a lot of bees or pollinators out. It was kind of quiet. Yeah. I was walking through a lot of meadows and just didn't hear anything. Hmm. I don't know if that's uh, attributed to just lack of water and bees just want to conserve water so they don't leave the hive. Yeah, maybe. I, 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 could, I could go with that. And there's a lot of dieback, man, on trees, hmm. like in the upper crown. Oh my gosh, so many trees dying back from the top. What's going on with like black birch? Anybody notice that? I've found two spots now where there's like an acre of all the black birch defoliated and like from dry I don't I mean I guess it could be drought, but why not everywhere? Um you know, uh the leaves were just turning brown and falling off like it was fall. I would guess it's drought because black birch see, like most birches, they demand a lot of uh moisture. Yeah. Hmm. And they grow dense, and maybe where they're just dying is just a little drier than another area. I guess so. Because uh, a lot of, like, white birch, black birch, they look terrible. You know, that's what I thought. And they're dense. They're, they're really dense. They were, but they're – so that's what I really thought. But So companion species growing there with them was mature sugar maple, and they look great. Yeah, but the mature sugar maple has deeper roots. Okay, it's true. You know what I mean? But I just not yeah, I was just thinking that the sugar maple – are, they need a lot of water too. Yeah, but a more established tree. I mean, it's got more reserves. True. And uh, there could be a little dieback in the top of that sugar maple too. You know what I mean? Yeah. A little bit. They look good from the ground, so I don't know. Yeah, there could be six to eight inches at the top where it's not. That's what I've noticed, especially in uh, around urban areas, roadways, compacted soils, where the feeder roots start to die back. Yeah, that's what's going on. The feeder roots die back, and that manifests in the top of the crown. Mm-hmm. I've seen s- certain, like, spotted dieback on sugar maples. Parts of the crown will brown out. Um, I don't know if that's drought-related. That seems interesting to me. The only other time I've seen that is um, up in uh, Tug Hill Plateau around Syracuse when there was a big uh, uh, cicada outbreak, and they huh. had deposited their eggs into the branches and they girdled them and you just see this sugar maple with spots of brown around the crown i've seen it a few times around here 
It could be. I mean, I was reading about drought impacts. I was, I was thinking about doing a show on it, but um, well, we are going to talk a little bit about it with Gary Mee the third Wednesday. But when they get drought, it lowers their defenses to a lot of borers and stuff like that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. who knows? I, you know, there could be something going on on that twig that's being girdled or something. Yeah, drought stress stress trees, like you guys said. I look at the the top of the tree um, where it's furthest furthest from the roots but this was in the lower part of the crown and just spotted huh very weird yeah, i've seen some trees like that too zane yeah sugar maple yeah just like flagging flagging branches yeah yeah, yeah. there's one on top of my road that's like that so Might be worth a check but again sugar maple you know those feeder roots i bet you that's what it is hmm. if i had to guess but well let's see here what else we got um. What else? You, what else you guys want to get into? Only got a few minutes here. So Zane, what's something that uh, you've been seeing out there that makes Zane just shake his head? <laughs> makes me shake. Just shake stand there and go like this, man. I don't know. Shake your head. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't that know. question makes Tree, me shake my trees head. Trees too deep. Ah, uh, oh, look at this. Because oh, sometimes it's just all bad news. Um, just all bad news. There's no good news about this tree right so now. So sometimes you go to a property and it's like, you did it all wrong. Right. Yeah, I had a, <laughs> yeah, I had a member do, did a uh, planting party. I never heard of these. Planting party? Uh, yeah, well, planting you mean where party. they want free labor? I, I guess so. <laughs> you guys want to come over and do some stuff? BYOB and drink lunch. BYOP. Jesus, this is a bad party. You know, I like the party where they provide the booze and I don't have to do anything. Anyway. Well, well uh, yeah, a member of ours had uh, bought a bunch of trees, had them delivered, and I think there were over almost 20 trees. mix of fruit trees, apple trees, pears, peaches, cherries. That's a lot of work. And it is a lot of work, and that's what I... Uh, that's what I recommended if he was having anybody help him plant, and he said no. And uh, uh, so he, I was invited to the planting party, but I wasn't able oh, to make it. The <laughs> I wasn't unfortunately wasn't able to make it, and those trees arrived. And uh, I got he planted I got some that came up using my loose notes that I wrote up on the uh, back of my truck with them, and uh, went back there, and there was just some common mistakes, too deep. Uh, um, you know, with fencing and things like that. But other than that, they look good. Yeah. So, could have been worse, but yeah. Oh, man, I've made so many mistakes. But, uh, you know, you learn from them. Yeah. What about you, John? What makes John just shake his head? Just shake my head? No, yeah. I don't know. Nothing's been shaking my head lately. But really? Nothing that's standing out right now. i got to think harder. Um, <laughs> nothing, huh? Well, I don't know. I saw an apple tree today that I talked talked them out of they they wanted to prune it and i just said no no shook his head shook my head well you have to explain why and everything it's uh it was a very old tree big diameter and someone else had already made a lot of big cuts in it so what are you going to do you know this crown is established it had no growth on it at all it was like it hadn't grown in years there was two trees next to it both dead i said i just think it's on its way out they're all the same age and don't want you to invest any money or time into this Plan a new one. Yeah, so that's what we talked about. Yeah. So I'll let them know that you're hosting planting yeah. parties and arranging. 
Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> People want to use equipment too to plant trees, and that's not always oh, the best yeah. way well, to okay. go. Yep. That's something I shook my head at today too. Yeah, they were talking about their last planting. All of them failed, and they had a lot of trees. I asked their methods. Well, they invited a friend over with a post hole digger on the back of a tractor. Yeah. That thing digs like four feet, man. Jesus. It's like, yeah, I said, no, 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 you don't want to go deep. You want to go wider, if anything. And we talked about correct depth and looking at the, yeah. the lateral roots and all that stuff we talk about and teach about. Yeah, so that, that shook my head. That shook your head. That, yeah, that got People it. using uh, excavators to yeah. plant a tree, dig a hole. I mean, it might be a big tree, but uh, another thing a post hole dig digger or an excavator might do is they might glaze the hole yeah. so they might compact the sides of the hole mm. so when those feeder roots want to shoot into the soil they're just all bunched up with that compacted soil so it's like a triple whammy uh, not only is it too deep and glaze the hole like you just said but also think about the weight of that machine yeah now right it's around. compacting the local site yeah. right so those feet if you have clay soil the roots can't punch through you know what i mean that's always I have clay soil and it's taken it's taken my tree so much longer to grow because they have to they have to deal with that, you know. It's really difficult. But um anyway, oh and don't add <laughs> don't add potting soil if you have clay soil because then all the water will go in your hole. Yeah, it's potting soil for a reason. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, no one told me, so oh. well that's all the time we have and uh next week we have Dr. Michael Kudish coming on talking about first and old growth forest. So should be a good one. And uh, all, right. all right, see you then. Good night. Oh, the neon lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. And the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street. A dozen faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway and the bottle was his friend And the old man stumbled in From the forest Up a dark and dingy staircase The old man made his way His ragged coat around him As upon his cot he lay And he wondered how it happened That he'd ended up this way So dear Who'd loved him in the spring